The following is a message from Pastor Ellis Orozco of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. Amen. Thank you for worshiping this morning. Oh, it's so good to see you today. God bless you and thank you for being here. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us online. I pray that God has blessed you already and will continue to bless you as we go to his word. We're going to continue to worship God through the power of his word. And, uh, and just, this is a special day. I do want to acknowledge that up front, this kind of elephant in the room. This is my last Sunday to preach as your senior pastor. It's not my last Sunday to preach, but it is my last Sunday to preach as your uh, senior pastor. A very special day for me. I appreciate all that you've done. I appreciate Andy, uh, Pastor Andy and the choir. Pastor Andy's wearing a maroon sweater in my honor. And uh, there are many in the choir wearing maroon in my honor. And I appreciate that. None more than uh, my good friend, Simeon May. Faithful Baylor alumnus, who I'm sure had to borrow that maroon sweater from somewhere, <laughs> and at this very moment is breaking out in the hives. <laughs> Thank you, Simeon. I love you, brother. Yeah. No, it's a great day. It's a great day. And we're going to read from Joshua chapter one, as we've already been talking about. We're following along in the well, our Bible reading journey. And uh, Joshua chapter one this week, we're going to be reading from that and I'm going to be preaching from it today. Joshua chapter one, I'm going to read the first uh, nine verses. So let's go to God's word and read Joshua chapter one, beginning with verse one. This is what the word of God says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people, Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. None or no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. This scripture passage, this moment is a big moment in the history of the nation of Israel. It was one of those inflection points that we all have experienced in life. They were changing addresses, and in so doing, it was going to change their lives forever. Um, in fact, this is the passage, Joshua chapter 1, I don't know if you remember, this is the passage that I preached uh, early on. One of my first sermons to you as your pastor in June of 2009 was from Joshua chapter 1. How many of you were here in June, chap- June 2009? You were here? To, okay, a lot of you. Yeah, maybe half of you. How many of you remember the three points of that sermon that I preached in 2009? No one? Good, I can preach it again, right? 
No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to preach it. But, um, but I did preach this. And in, in that moment, as I stood before you in June of 2009, in that particular sermon, Brian Harbour, our pastor before me, 18 years here, wonderful pastor, Brian Harbour, metaphorically speaking, was the Moses, and he was handing the leadership over to me, the new Joshua. And now, 13 and a half years later, it's my turn to be Moses, handing the leadership over to someone else, someone who will be an amazing, amazing pastor for us in this church. We don't know his name yet, that's okay, because God does. God does, and he will lead us in wonderful and amazing ways into our future. And I, I look forward to that, and I will be his greatest cheerleader. Um, so the scene before us, it's always fascinated me. This moment in Israel's history, the people of Israel have been through a lot. 400 years of slavery, for one, and then 40 years of wandering in the barren wilderness, living this nomadic lifestyle as hunters and gatherers. And now God is, is leading them to enter into a, a, a land that he has been promising them for centuries. He's been promising it to them. Uh, through those 40 years, Moses had been their faithful leader. They loved Moses. It wasn't a romantic, unrealistic, idealistic kind of love. No, there were times when they weren't sure about Moses. There were times when they disagreed with Moses. There were times when they wanted to kill Moses. There were. And Moses wasn't perfect, right? He made mistakes. One of those mistakes is the reason he is not able to go into the promised land himself. He wasn't perfect. But he was a good man. And he tried the best he could. And in the end of the day, the people knew that. They knew that he tried his best. And now they're being asked to make this cataclysmic kind of change. They're being asked to navigate not only a change of leadership, but also a change of lifestyle and a change of address, a change of, of place. They are going from being a, a nomadic uh, Life, a nomadic lifestyle to a more sedentary lifestyle, agriculturalist, from hunters and gatherers to, to agriculturalists. And they are going from the barren Arabic wilderness of that land into a fertile land of Canaan flowing with milk and honey. And they're going from the leadership of Moses to the leadership of a much younger and not as experienced Joshua. They're being asked to navigate a lot of changes all at once. And that, that transition for them, that inflection point for them will not be all that easy at all times. It will not go smoothly. They're going to have their bumps in the road. They will have incredible victories and they will have humiliating defeats. And, and I just, I, I have to imagine that, that Joshua himself, in fact, he will make his share of mistakes just the way Moses did. And I can't, I can't help but imagine that when Joshua first led them to that first great victory, you remember it, the walls of Jericho. They march around it and the walls fall down and they have this amazing victory. And I imagine in that moment, there were people who were saying, wow, he's better than Moses, All right? And of course, in the very next scene, they have a humiliating defeat against the people of Ai. Humiliating defeat. And I'm sure in that moment, there were people muttering, well, he's no Moses. Probably the same people, actually, who were singing his praises at Jericho are now muttering, he's no Moses at Ai. Well, it's human nature, right? 
It's human nature to do that. It's human nature to kind of compare. And what I want to say to you is, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do it at Jericho and don't do it at I. Um, yeah, don't do that. Here's what I wish for you instead. That you would know and embrace the three things that God gives them in this moment. The three things as they are standing on the eastern shore of the Jordan River, preparing to march across that river to the, to the other side, the promised land. Before they do that, before they make that transition, before in the midst of that inflection point for them, before they begin to navigate this new lifestyle and this new leadership and this new address, before they do that, God gives them these three things that he wants them to cling to in that, in that time. God comes to them and he says to them, Moses is dead. Now I want to say, this is where the analogy ends. Ellis is not dead. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere, actually. Tracy's already recruited me to be uh, on the greeter team in March. So I could be at the door greeting you. I'm not dead. But in this case, Moses is dead, God says to them. He says, Moses is dead and Joshua is my man. Joshua is standing in front of you. You follow him. But before you follow him, God says, I want you to understand this clearly. I want you to be crystal clear about this, that it was not Moses who brought the plagues upon Egypt. It was not Moses who led you out of slavery in Egypt. It was not Moses who parted the Red Sea. It's not Moses who drew water from the rock, even though he tried to take credit for it. It's not Moses who provided manna and quail every day. And it is not Moses who has brought you to this place. And it is not Joshua who will take you across. It is not Joshua who caused the walls of Jericho to fall. It is not Joshua who will give you victory. It is no man who has done any of those things. It is, God says, it is me. I'm the one who has done that. Amen. I am the one who led you out of slavery. I am the one who parted the Red Sea. I am the one who brought water out of rock in the desert. I am the one who gave you manna and quail every day. I am the one who has led you this far. And if I am the one who has led you this far, then you can be assured that I will be the one who will lead you into your brilliant future. Amen. That's the first thing he wants them to know. It's, it's not them. It's not any man. It's me. And here are the three things then that you cling to as you navigate this inflection point. The first, he says, is you cling to God's promises. God has promised you things. Look at what he says in verses two and three. My servant Moses is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. I am about to give it to them. I am going to give it to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. I promised Moses I would do this and now I am making good on my promise. And then skip to verse six. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them. God is saying, I made a promise and now I am making good on that promise. It was something that he had promised Moses, but even before that, hundreds of years before that, it's the promise that he made to Abraham when he told Abraham that as he was childless, he told him that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the grains of sand on every beach on earth. He said, and your people, your descendants will be blessed. I will bless them and they will be a blessing to the entire world. This is the promise. And now he says, I'm making good on my promise. What does the land become known as? 
becomes known as the promised land. It wasn't called that at this time. It wasn't called that until years later, but eventually it became known as the promised land because it was the land that God had promised and God is going to be true to his promises and God has made promises to you. He has a lot of promises. This church was started in 1865, the end of the Civil War. A group of people came into this area, decided to start a church. In 1865, this church is 158 years old. Check the math, I'm an Aggie, but I think it's 158. An Aggie engineer, 158 years 158 years of promises. God, it has seen, this church has seen a lot through those years. This church has been blessed and it has been a blessing to the world and it has been promised a lot of things and God will always be true to his promises. You can stand on the promises of God. I think that might make a good song, Andy. You can stand on the promises of, of God and especially the promise that you have been charged with the promise, the promise that you've been given and charged to share with the world. And that is the promise that, that of eternal salvation for anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, that, that anyone who gives their life to God's son, anyone who gives their life to Jesus has eternal life, will live forever with him. And that's a promise from God that is, that is woven through all of scripture like a finely woven thread from beginning to end where the, the great man of faith, Job, he, he says, I know that my redeemer lives and that in the end I will stand upon this earth and though my body be destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God, how my heart yearns within me. And King David, looking back at the span of his life, an old man looking back at the ways God has blessed him, King David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's that great promise that Jesus confirms and affirms and fulfills when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. And the apostle Paul, when he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, not the height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the promise, amen? This is the promise that we stand on. This is the promise that you still have. No matter who, no matter who preaches from this pulpit, it's the promise that you have so that every time you preach, every time you teach, every time you serve, every time you go on a mission trip, every time you give, every time you stand before an open grave, you can make this promise, This is the promise. You stand on that promise. And then the second thing he says is that you stand on God's proclamation, his word. I use proclamation because I wanted them all to start with P's. His word. Look at what it says in verses seven and eight. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right Turn it, do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then and only then will you be prosperous and successful. 
The book of law that he's talking about is the Torah, the first five books of our Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's the only Bible they had at that point. The prophets had not been written yet. So he's saying, you take this word of God that I've given you, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you take this word that I've given you and meditate on it day and night and let the word of God always be on your lips. Keep preaching the word of God. Keep reading the word of God. Keep studying the word of God. Keep obeying the word of God. Keep the word of God close to your hearts. Cling to the word of God, his word. The psalmist opens the Psalms, and many scholars believe that Psalm chapter one was actually a, a, a format, if you will, a framework for all the rest of the Psalms. And this is what Psalm chapter one says, part in part, it says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers because they love God so much they love his word, God's promises, God's proclamation. And then finally, it's God's presence. It's actually throughout this whole passage. It's over and over again. He repeats it. Look at verse five. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Why? Because as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He repeats it again in verse nine. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, wherever you go, wherever you go. He is the one, and I might add, the only one who will never leave you and never forsake you. God called me to preach when I was 24 years old. Um, I'd gone to school at A&M. Whoop. Any whoops? I always get a whoop from that. Thank you. Uh, to become an engineer, a mechanical engineer, because, because that's what my father wanted me to be. My dad wanted me to be an engineer. So I became an engineer for my dad. And I was working in Houston and uh, serving as the part-time no-pay youth director of the little church I grew up in. And taking the kids to a summer camp experience. And we went to this summer camp, a group of about 50 kids and maybe 10 or 12 counselors, adult counselors. And we went to this camp. And the guy that was going to preach at the camp, the guy that I had gotten to preach camp, couldn't make it at the last minute. So I did what any leader would do. I stepped up and I had, I had to preach. I'd never preached. I'd never preached before. I'd never even thought about preaching. But I preached a sermon out of Jeremiah. Couldn't have been very good. I don't remember, but it couldn't have been very good. And um, at the end of that little sermon, that probably went 10 minutes. Some of you are saying, why can't you keep doing that, Ellis, right? I know, I know what you're saying. Went about 10 minutes because that was the extent of my knowledge of Jeremiah. And um, at the end of it, I just asked if anyone wanted to accept Jesus. 
and three kids, three kids raised their hands and one adult counselor raised his hand that he wanted to accept Jesus. And in that moment, I knew this is what I was born to do. This is it. This is what I was born to do. I'm now 61. I know, hard to believe, right? I know. Which means I've been doing this for more than 37 years. I graduated from Southwestern Seminary in December of 1992. And three weeks later, I was the full-time pastor of a church in Corpus Christi, January 2nd, my first sermon. January 2nd, 1993, full-time pastor. And I've been a full-time senior pastor now for exactly 30 years and one month. And in that time, I've never been without a church. I've never been without a pulpit to preach from. And I've learned a lot in that time. And this much is true. People are really good at heart. People want to be good. They do. But we're all human beings. We all make mistakes. We all make commitments that we can't always fulfill. We, we all do that. The thing I've learned is that people, as good and wonderful as they are, people come and go. People are human beings. People will fail you. People will hurt you. People will make mistakes. And that's okay. It's okay. But what that means is that there is only one. There is only one who will never leave you and never forsake you. As much as your family and your loved ones want to be that for you, they're human beings. Amen? And there is only one who will never leave you and forsake you. Only one who is always, every breath of your life is always with you. Only one who will love you to the ends of the earth. Only one. Build your future on him and on his presence. His promises, his proclamation, his presence. These are the three things that I will pray for us. Because again, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just moving from senior pastor to greeter. I'm really overqualified, but I'm I'm greeter. Just kidding. I've told people that maybe this is why Tracy recruited me. I told Tracy... She says, well, retirement, what do you want to do in your retirement? I said, I, I, my, my dream job in retirement is to be the greeter at Walmart. It just seems so great. Just, you just stand there and greet people. These are the things, three things I pray for us moving forward. That we would build our life on his promises, on his proclamation, his word, and on his presence. There is this scene out of the book of Acts um, where the Apostle Paul is saying goodbye to the church he loves. It's a church at Ephesus, a church that he helped to start, 
Most of the people there, he, he's loved them for years and he's poured in, invested in them. Ephesus was the place where he actually stayed the longest as a pastor. He was there for two years. And now he's leaving and he knows he's never going to see them again. He tells them, I'm never going to see you again. And, um, and he tells them this in Acts chapter 20, verses 18 to 21. When the people of Ephesus arrived, he said to them, you know how I have lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. I have proclaimed... I have not held anything back from you. So I want to end today um, by saying that I believe I can echo the words of Paul to you. Not only to you, but to every church I have served in the last 30 years. You know the way I have lived among you. My whole time I was with you. I have treated every woman as if she were my sister or my mother. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have treated every woman as if she were my sister or my mother. I have treated every man as if he were my brother or my father. I have with humility served you and loved you unconditionally, and I still do. I have not hesitated to preach the whole counsel of the word of God. Every time I stepped into this pulpit, I have read from the word of God and to the very best of my abilities, have preached from the word of God and I have sought to bless you in every way I could. And so now, allow me to bless you one more time. I'm gonna ask you to stand. And now, as the ancient Old Testament prophets did over Israel, I raise my hands over you and I bless you with the words of the prophets. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. God bless you.